Amen. Thank you for that special. Let's go ahead and get our Bibles out. Turn to the book of 2 Chronicles chapter number 34. 2 Chronicles chapter number 34. Uh, be praying for pastor while he's out of town. Uh, traveling mercies. I know he's going to be doing a lot of driving. And so uh, keep him in your prayers during this time. Uh, and obviously keep him in your prayers as far as that he can get rest up and um, get cl- clear mind and all that. I know he's uh, been very busy lately. And uh, so let's keep him in our prayers and uh, while you're turning there, let me, uh, I know not a lot gets mentioned about uh, this, but the college, North Florida Baptist College, uh, it's not just for people who are trying to get a degree. Uh, we do have um, some courses that you can take for audit to get the information. There's a lot of good information. We hear a lot of times people talk, I wish people knew more history. And uh, well, we have uh, a U.S. history course that you can audit. And uh, get the information, but you don't have to turn in all the papers and all that. You don't have to be, be tested and all that. Uh, we have Baptist history. Uh, a lot of people don't know their Baptist history. And uh, these are all good things that you can do. We have courses on uh, Christian womanhood. You know, obviously, the, the genders are being attacked right now. And uh, a lot of ladies sometimes, even men included, the, the genders, they just don't know uh, what's appropriate. And uh, we have a course like that that will help you strengthen what you believe and uh, teach you what the Bible says. And so you can audit all these courses that we have uh, for just $50 uh, a course, and I think it'll be a great help to you. And so if it's something that's interests you, come see me, obviously, uh, and I'll be glad to give you more information about that. Uh, you, didn't, you didn't think you were going to get a promotional when, you, when I got here, did you? Second um, Chronicles chapter 34, the Bible says, we'll begin reading in verse 1, the Bible says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of David his father, and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. Josiah was uh, is an interesting character. Um, we notice here that uh, he didn't live a long time. Uh, Josiah was a very young man when he died, uh, thirty nine years old. And uh, but the Bible gives us an interesting truth about his life that I want to pull from this passage. You see. There's a danger for a church like ours that's been around for not just one generation, but generations. Uh, there's a danger because here's, the, here's the, the danger that we all face. Many of us are second, third, maybe even fourth generation Christians, and if we're not careful, we've always grown up with hearing things preached and being taught, and we assume that other people just automatically know that. And sometimes there's a dropping of the baton of passing down things and making sure that the next generation knows what they need to know uh, to live a solid Christian life. And if we're not careful, we lose our young people, we lose new Christians, converts, people who've been saved, baptized, and we throw up our hands in uh, frustration and say, they just, people nowadays just won't get it. And if we're not careful, sometimes the responsibility falls on us. Uh, I'm not saying all the time it does. Obviously, everybody has to make a decision for themselves but uh, I want to I pull a truth out of here that I think will help us, and I hope it will uh, be a blessing here. The title of my message tonight is this. He didn't live a long life, but he did have longevity in his life. He didn't live a long life, but he did have longevity in his life. Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the opportunity to preach. And Lord, I pray that you give me your powers. I preach. Help me, uh, Lord, to have a clear mind. Help me to say what you would want preached, and nothing more, nothing less. And Lord, I pray that you stir our hearts here this evening. Uh, Lord, it's hot out. It, no doubt people are tired. We're coming off of a holiday. 
Uh, and Lord, I pray that you just uh, strengthen us here for the next uh, several minutes here, Lord. And I pray that you give us something that we can take uh, to apply and be a blessing to each and every one of us here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. He didn't live a long life, but he did have longevity in his life. In 2 Chronicles chapter 34, we find the account given of Josiah, a young man who didn't live a long life, but certainly had longevity in his life. 2 Chronicles chapter 34 and verse 1 reveals to us the time of his life, 39 years. Josiah was 8 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for 39 years until his death. 2 Chronicles chapter 34 and verse 2 reveals to us the testimony of his life. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. Friend, this does not mean that uh, Josiah never sinned or made mistakes. Uh, this is God summing up Josiah's life in a nutshell and revealing to us how Josiah lived his life, how Josiah was known during his life, and how Josiah's life is remembered on the pages of Scripture. You see, the Bible tells us here that Josiah didn't live a long life. But he has one thing that, quite honestly, a lot of Christians are lacking nowadays. A lot of Christians have never uh, made an importance in their life. He had longevity in his life. You see, he was 39 years when he died, the Bible says. But Josiah lived a full life. Josiah, at the end of his life, could honestly look back on, the, on his entire life and say, you know what, I've been faithful to the Lord. You know, and unfortunately, we have to understand here, no one knows how long they will live. Uh, the Bible says in James 4 and verse 14, that life is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. You see, Josiah didn't live a long life, but he did have longevity in his life. You see, we, we strive for things that God does not put an importance on. Man is always going around saying, hey, how can I live a longer life? We've got diets. Uh, you, can, you can come up with diets all over this world, and man is trying to lengthen his life. Uh, man is going to doctors all the time. He's trying to lengthen his life. Man tries to uh, take medicines and, and put creams on and all this stuff to try to lengthen uh, his life. And, uh, and he's taking all these uh, different things and all these, uh, he's going to all these uh, counselors and shrinks and all this stuff to try to lengthen his life. And nowhere in the Bible will you find God putting an importance on living a long life. Yet God does put an importance on having longevity in your life. You see, Josiah here did not live a long time. But one thing's for sure, Josiah did from the time that he began following the Lord until the time of his death, Josiah was faithful to the Lord. Uh, I'm reminded of this, this thought here. I'm reminded of this truth uh, by way of illustration. Um, several years back, uh, we had this, uh, what is it? This little fragrance mister. It was an airwick, air diffuser. Uh, fragrance dispenser, whatever you call it. It was an Airwick Essential Mist uh, fragrance diffuser. And um, it was a pretty neat little thing. You bought the little uh, fragrance oils, you put it in, you put the batteries in, and you had three settings. You had an on-off button, or actually you had four settings. You had on-off, you had low, medium, and high. And uh, based on how much fragrance you wanted, you set it on low, medium, or high. And it'd be the, it was pretty neat. I mean, you would see it, it almost looked like steam. It'd pop out if it was on, if it was on low. It may be for like three seconds. 
If it was on medium, it might be for six seconds. And if it was on high, it'd be shooting out fragrance for 10 seconds. Now, the thought is this. There were three different lengths of mist, right? Uh, I mean, the same mist, three different lengths. But uh, of those three different lengths, it was the same quality of mist. You see, some were longer than others, but they all three had the same exact quality uh, coming out of them. And is that not something we should strive for in our life? You see, each and every one of us here this evening, we will all have different lengths of life. Some will live to 80, some will live to 18. Some will live to 70, some will live to 37. Uh, Some will live to 50, some will live to the age of five. Uh, But what we ought to focus on is not how can I get more life out of this, but how can I live for God with my life and be faithful to God for my life and have, uh, though I may have a different quantity than other people, I can have the same quality. You see, if we're not careful, a church like ours, who's been around for generations, I mean, most of all of us here have grown up in, in church, we've been saved, we're probably a second generation, third generation, maybe even fourth generation Christians. You see, the first generation, they fought the battles. They, they had to make the hard decisions. And, and, and in doing so, they took hard stances, and they, they, they gave us those beliefs. And if we're not careful, we assume as a second, third, fourth generation Christians that just everybody knows this. And everybody just knows that they're supposed to do this. And if they don't do it, then they're just not right with God. Now, that may be true, but I want to remind us here today, the main point is this. Most Christians live a long life physically, but they have little to no longevity in their lives spiritually. You see, sometimes Christians are like a soldier that, hey, he's in the military, uh, but the moment that a war rolls around, hey, he goes AWOL. (laughs) I mean, what did you join the military for? Uh, Just to wear the uniform? just to be able to carry an M16 or whatever they use now, just to, just to have the badges and just to have the prestige of being a soldier. A war rolls up, and it's, it's interesting. People want the, the, to be in the military and have the title, but a war rolls up, and they're nowhere to be found. But is, how is it any different with a Christian? When, uh, hey, they, they're glad they're saved, and hey, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But what I'm saying is God gives us salvation, and there's a way of life we ought to live for God, But the moment a battle comes or the moment uh, testing comes or the moment a trial comes, all of a sudden Christians are nowhere to be found. What's wrong with us? We don't have longevity. It's like sometimes professional sports players. Now this drives me nuts. Um, They constantly change teams because they want an easy championship. Uh, They change the team to better their odds and chances of winning when when their current team faces difficulty and hardship. I mean, you can take an MVP player, and the moment a team has hardship, he's like, well, I'm out of here. What team will pay me more? What team will, uh, uh, is guaranteed a championship, according to the analysts? That's where I want to go. I'll tell you this, and uh, you sport fans will have to just get over it. Uh, LeBron James is not the best basketball player in the world. He never has been, never will be. That's Michael Jordan. He owns that title. And I will say this, Michael Jordan was faithful to his team until he came back from baseball, and he went to the Wizards. But uh, he took something and built it. I mean, he took, he took a career, and he got drafted, and he stuck it through. 
And he won championship after championship after championship. He had longevity with that team. And he takes sport players nowadays, and they just, the moment a hardship comes up, the moment they say, well, this, this owner ain't building a team around me, they, they, they're off to find another place, and where's the longevity nowadays? But how is it any, we get frustrated at that. Our favorite player, our favorite team loses its players because of that, and we get frustrated. We say, what is wrong with these players? But then the same thing happens as Christians. I mean, things get a little tough, and all of a sudden, we're nowhere to be found. We're looking for the next. Things get tough in the church. Things get tough in the home, and all of a sudden, we're like, well, I'm not getting fed at that church, and I'm not, uh, my needs just aren't getting met. I'm on down the road. There's no difference. Sometimes it's like celebrity marriages of Hollywood. I mean, uh, married and in love one week, and all of a sudden, next week, they're in the divorce court trying to get a divorce. You know, just like sometimes Christians. I mean, Jesus saves us, and one week we're just in love with Jesus. And in the moment we read something in the Bible, and, and Jesus himself kind of slaps us around a little bit and says, Hey, what are you doing? Uh, this is what I, I, I didn't save you to live like that. And we say, I, I just, I, I don't know about that anymore. And I, I just don't know about this Christian life. Does it surprise us here today that Christians may live a long life? But a lot of times they have no longevity in their life. You see, I want, to, I want us to notice here, Josiah didn't live a long life physically. Now, I'm 37. Uh, obviously, we don't know when we're going to die, but I'm two years away from Josiah's last days. I hope I go past Josiah. But more than that, I hope like Josiah, I can live a life that has longevity, regardless if I make it to 39, regardless if I make it to 50, regardless if I make it to 60, 70, 80. You see, what we have to strive for is not how long can I live on this earth, but what we ought to strive for is how long can I be faithful to the Lord? I want us to notice three reasons here tonight why many, if most Christians, will live a long life physically but they'll have little to no longevity, spiritually speaking. You see, most Christians, this is sad but true, it, it should not be. It should not be this. Most Christians should live a long life, spiritually speaking. It, you know, it ought to be true of all of us that from the moment we got saved uh, until the day that we die, that we're faithful to the Lord. That ought to be what's said of us. Unfortunately, that's not the case. The odds... The, the, the statistics say otherwise. And I want to give us three reasons here tonight of why that is. Why do most Christians live a long life physically, but have little to no longevity spiritually? Number one, I want you to think about this. There are beliefs that have not been passed down. There are beliefs that have not been passed down. Notice verse number two in our text. The Bible says, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of David, his father. What does the Bible say? He walked in the ways of David, his father. Now, how in the world did Josiah know of what way to walk in of David, his father? Well, the truth is somebody had to teach him. Somebody had to pass a belief down to him. Josiah had longevity in his life in spite of not having a long life because he had been passed down some beliefs that he lived. You see, I want to make this statement. It is every generation's responsibility to pass down the right beliefs to the next generation. It is not the pastor's job to make sure that everybody in this church 
is having the right beliefs. Now, that is, it is his job to preach. But the pastor is not to go around to everybody and make sure that now, now you and you and you and you. No, God gives you parents. God gives you grandparents. God gives you Sunday school teachers. God gives you uh, Christian school teachers. God gives you all these different people. And you know what? It's our job as a whole to make sure that, hey, I got to find somebody to pass some beliefs down. That means a new convert, when I get saved, and you heard pastor preach this, it's not the pastor's job, it's not the, the assistant pastor's jobs to pass those beliefs down to them, it's your job. If you saw someone saved, hey, you take them under your wing and say, you know what, I got some beliefs I gotta give to you, I've got some beliefs I've gotta pass down to you. It is every generation's responsibility to pass down the right beliefs to the next generation. You know, here's, here's the problem we're facing. We're not passing beliefs down. And again, it's a danger if we're not careful, a church like ours, who's been around for not 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, but 40, 50 years, the church has been in existence here. We're third, we're fourth generation Christians. And if we're not careful, we start assuming that people know the beliefs that we have and we don't deliver it to them. We assume that they grew up like we did, and, you know, my mom and dad pounded it into me, and the Christian school teacher beat it into me, and the Sunday school teacher each and every week harped on this and harped on that, and then the preacher got up in church, and he preached on this and preached on that, and not everybody has that. Right. And sometimes we assume that just because they're in church that those beliefs are passing down to them. You see, we have to understand here, it's every generation's responsibility to pass down the right beliefs to the next generation. Let me make this statement. If it was wrong 50 years ago, it is wrong today. If it was wrong 30 years ago, it didn't suddenly become right. If that apparel that you wear was wrong 50 years ago, you know what? All of a sudden, it didn't become approved by God. Uh, if, the, if the music that you listen to, if it was wrong and worldly then, you know what? I, I, I get it. I get the world just keeps on getting worse and worse. The world is waxing worse and worse. And if we're not careful, we justify and say, well, uh, like, and you've heard pastor preach this. Well, my music isn't as bad as the world's. Well, I would hope not because it's getting worse and worse. But if you are changing your music and changing your standards and changing your apparel and changing your beliefs, you're not passing down the right beliefs. We have to understand here, it is our responsibility to pass down the beliefs. It's my responsibility as a father to make sure that my two children get the right beliefs. Now, part of that is to put them in the right kind of church. And part of that is to put them uh, in the right kind of school. And part of that is to pray over them. And part of that is to have devotions. And part of that is to make sure that they stay uh, in good contact with the pastor. And part of that is to make sure that they stay protected from this world. But you know what? It's not my responsibility to teach other kids. That's the parents. That doesn't mean I have no role in it. That doesn't mean that I will never pass a belief down to them. But we have to understand we have responsibilities, and it is our responsibility to focus on the people God gives us. Every generation's responsibility to pass down the right beliefs to the next generation. The Bible tells us, Jesus warned this. He said, about, talking about uh, the young children, if any offend a little one like these in believing on me, 
It'd be better if a millstone were about his neck. That word offend there doesn't mean, I can't believe that they said that to me, Brother Montgomery. I can't believe that they were being sarcastic with me. They offended me. Uh, No, the word offend there means to cause to quit. And sometimes we cause people to quit because we're not passing down beliefs. You see, it's frustrating to me, no doubt, and perhaps it's frustrating to you, when sometimes people are hypocritical with what they say they believe. You take a a, a young Christian, someone who's been barely saved, a, a babe in Christ, and they're saying, they hear one side, you ought to do this, but then on the other side, they see people who say that, not doing it. Hypocrisy. And and better than saying it, you should show it so that they can see it. You have children in your home. More than you just saying, little Johnny and Susie, you better do this. It'd be better for them to see you doing it. More important than saying, little Johnny, you better be a soul winner with your life. You better be a missionary for God with your life. And I I want you to be a preacher, and I want you to do this. How about you show them? Not just say it to them, but show them and say, hey, now little Johnny, it's, it's right to, to tell people about the gospel. It's right to go out soul winning and then not just to say it, but for them to see you on Saturday doing it. For them to see you on Thursday night doing it. For them to see you throughout the week passing out tracts and when the opportunity presents itself, giving the gospel. Oh, it'd be better for us to show it than to just say it. Too often people get frustrated and people throw in it. And again, I'm not saying they're, they're guiltless. But sometimes we make the mistake of not passing down the beliefs because either we don't teach them or we're not walking in the ways of our fathers and we're not walking in the ways of God. We've got to pass down the right beliefs. The Bible tells us, let's turn to Psalm chapter 78 real quick. Psalm chapter 78. I want to read a couple verses over here. Psalm chapter number 78. And the Bible says in verses 1 through 7, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children." that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. You see, you and I, we set the example for those who follow us, whether it's our children, whether it's students that we teach, whether it's our classmates, if we're in, if we're in high school or in, in college or uh, you name it, uh, whether it's our other church members that we're around, the, 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 it could go on and on. We set the example for those who follow us and those who we influence. And so what are you passing down? Are you passing down beliefs that you were handed? You see, the only reason you believe what you have is because somebody took you aside and said, hey, I, I want to teach you something that someone taught me. I want to teach you about how now that you're saved, someone showed me that you're supposed to get baptized now. And I, I, know, I know you're scared. I know you're nervous. But hey, the water's warm. It's 98 degrees. Uh, I, I, know you, I know you think you have to bring all this stuff. We provide everything for you. Uh, then you take them along and say, now that you're saved, you ought, to, you ought to join the church. And you ought to listen to the pastor. And you ought to just go to him for counsel and get some advice. And whatever he says, just do it. 
Whatever he says, it doesn't matter if it makes sense to you. It doesn't matter if you understand it. It doesn't matter if you think it's the craziest advice. Just do it. Trust God. Trust the advice. Trust the Bible. And God will work everything out in your life. You know what? The only reason you're where you're at today is because somebody did that with you. And if we don't do that to our kids, if we don't do that to our converts, if we don't do that to people in our church and people in our community and people in our country, hey, that's how things fall apart. That's how churches go from all of a sudden they were a great and mighty church for God and they did great works for God and all of a sudden they're, they're, they're a ghost town with tumbleweeds flying through it. What happened? They were not passing down beliefs. You see, number one, there are beliefs that have not been passed down. Josiah walked in the ways of David, his father. Number two, I, I, I hasten, there are beliefs that have not been personalized. There are beliefs that have not been personalized. Look at verse 3. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was young, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. Notice that. While he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. You see how it started here? It started that he was walking in the ways of David, his father. I mean... Well, my father David did this, so it's good enough for me. Now, I'm glad for that because you know what? That's how we all start out. Why do you do what you do? Well, my, my mom and dad do it. My pastor does it. Uh, my, my college instructor does it. My, my high school teacher does it. My Sunday school teacher does it. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. That's how we all start out. But greater than that, there has to be a point in your life where you say, you know what, more important than my pastor doing it and more important than my Sunday school teachers doing it and more important than assistant pastors doing it and more important than the people on the pew next to me doing it, God says I should do it. And unfortunately, we have a lot of Christians that they don't know why they do what they do. They're just doing it because that's what my father did. That's what uh, those around me do. And notice here, Josiah would have never had longevity in his life. He never would have lived, uh, you know, for God for his entire life like he did if he did not get to the point where he said, hey, that God that my father walked after, he's now my God. That God that my father believed in, I believe in him as well. While he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David his father. Notice he, he had a transition. He was looking, he was going after God, not just going after the ways of his father, David. And there are beliefs. If, if you and I get out of church, if you and I give up on the Lord, if you and I uh, just throw in the towel like so many are doing nowadays and compromising and, and quitting on God, it'll be because there are beliefs that have not been personalized. Josiah had longevity in his life, in spite of not having a long life, because he had personalized the beliefs that he had been passed and that he lived. Now, when you personalize beliefs, there's some things that will take place in your life. I'll, warn, I'll remind you of this here today. Notice in verse 3, the Bible says, the second part of that, And in the twelfth year he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places, and the groves, and the carved images, and the molten images, and they break down the altars of Balaam in his presence, and the images that were on high above them. He cut down in the groves, and the carved images, and the molten images he break in pieces, and made dust of them, and strode it upon the graves of them, 
that had sacrificed unto them. And he burnt the bones of the priests upon their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. So did he in the cities of Manasseh and Ephraim and Simeon, even unto Naphtali, with their mattocks round about. Look at verse 7. And when he had broken down the altars and the groves, and had beaten the graven images into powder, and cut down all the idols throughout all the land of Israel, he returned to Jerusalem. Now, if, if he was living in our day, they'd say, I think he's a little upset about something. I think this guy is a little angry about something. But notice here, when you personalize the beliefs that have been passed down to you, no longer is it, well, I only do it because my parents do it. Or I, that's the college I go to, and it's in the college rule book, Brother Montgomery. So, you know, why do you do that? Well, it's the rule book. I have to. No, when you take those beliefs that have been passed to you and you say, they are now mine, you will remove things from your life that should not be there. Why do Christians nowadays have stuff in their life that should not be there? Well, they've never personalized the beliefs that they've been handed. It's not theirs. It, they don't believe it. I mean, they'll do it because it's what everybody else does when they're at church. They'll do it because when the family's around, they, I mean, they, they, they want the good testimony, but they really have not made it their own. They don't believe it truly. And when you will take the beliefs that have been passed on you and you'll believe it and say, you know what? I'm thankful someone handed it to me. I wouldn't have it without them. But, but now that they've handed it to me, I don't want it to be something where I only believe it because they gave it to me. You know, this is now mine. It's a part of me. It's my fiber. It's my being. I believe it because, first off, it was handed to me, but I believe it because, hey, I've read it in the Bible, and if God says it, I believe it. You see, Josiah, the first thing he did when he took these beliefs that were passed to him, and he made them his own, he said, I'm going to walk after God of David, my father. I'm not just going to walk in the ways of David, my father. I'm going to walk, I'm going to find the God of David, my father. He removed things from his life that shouldn't have been there. I mean, he went on an all-out cleaning house session. My wife gets so mad at me sometimes because I am the epitome of a minimalist. If I have no use for it, it's out. I mean, I like, I like nothing around. Um, and uh, she's very sentimental. I'm not. Um, you can thank my mother for that. I am not sentimental at all. And, uh, um, but uh, I'll, sometimes I'll be like, yeah, I don't need this. And she'll be like, are you sure you want to throw it away? I'm like, I, I haven't used it in three years. I don't need it. And um, uh, sometimes I get in these little moods where I just go and I'm, I'm cleaning everything out. I'm cleaning the shed out. I'm cleaning the garage out. I'm cleaning closets out. And I'm getting rid of stuff that I have no need for. And, uh, you know, when you take the beliefs that have been handed to you, you'll do the same thing in your life. You'll say, what is this doing in my life? What is this collecting dust in my life? Uh, what is this doing good for me? This has done nothing for me but bring me harm. This has done nothing good for me but bring me trouble. And, if, and truthfully, God says I shouldn't have this. Let's get it out of here. You see, you will remove things from your life that should not be there. But secondly, under this thought, you will repair things in your life that should be there. Notice verses 8 through 10. The Bible says, Now in the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land in the house, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, and Messiah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Joaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. And when they came to Hilkiah, the high priest, they delivered the money that was brought into the house of God, which the Levites that kept the doors had gathered of the hand of Manasseh and Ephraim. 
and of all the remnant of Israel and of all Judah and Benjamin, and they returned to Jerusalem. And they put it in the hand of the workmen that had the oversight of the house of the Lord, and they gave it to the workmen that wrought in the house of the Lord to repair and amend the house. Now, when you take the beliefs that have been passed down to you, and you make them your own, and you say, I believe this because God says it. I believe this because God showed me. It's not just what someone told me I had to do, or what someone said I should do, but I believe it. You'll clean your, your life out. You would get rid of some of the stuff in your fridge if you would take heart to this. You would stop watching some of the things you watch if you take heart to this. You would, uh, you know, stop saying some of the things you say if you take heart to this. But not only that, some things that are broken down in your life that should be of utmost importance will suddenly be repaired in your life. You know, uh, sometimes Christians, they just get away from God. It's true. It happens. And uh, they just start getting away from church. And they start getting uh, away from being a gospel witness. And they start letting their standards slide. And they start doing this, and they start doing that. And what happens? When they take this thought, and they say, hey, these beliefs have been passed down to me. It's not just what they believe. It's what I believe. You'll repair all that. Hey, the house of God will be important in your life again. Hey, soul winning and, and telling others about the gospel will be important in your life again. Uh, saying the right things will be important in your life again. You see, you will repair the things in your life that should be there. And I'll remind you here, these things can only be accomplished in your life when you return to that which should govern your life. You see, and for sake of time, uh, verses 14 through 18, I'll not read all these verses, but I want you to notice here, we find here that they found a book. <laughs> I mean, isn't it interesting? Josiah starts cleaning out his, his kingdom. I mean, you think it's hard to clean out your life? He went on a royal tear through the nation, cleaning out everything in the nation. And uh, then he starts repairing the house of God. Good night. We're supposed to be in the house of the Lord, and why is it looking like a dump? Uh, where's all the money going? Put it into the, the, the house of God. Let's rebuild this place. Let's make it magnificent once again. Let's put it of a place of importance in our life. And in the midst of that, man, notice what the Bible says. Hilkiah comes out and says, Hey, Josiah, I found something when we were cleaning out everything and we were rebuilding the church and rebuilding the temple. I found something. And notice verse 15. And Halkai answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah delivered the book to Shaphan. And Shaphan carried the book to the king and brought the king word back again, saying, All that was committed to thy servants, they do it. And they have gathered together the money that was found in the house of the Lord and have delivered it into the hand of the overseers and into the hand of the workmen. And Shaphan, the scribe, told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Notice here that uh, when he reads it, he rents his clothes. You know, the word of God is the only thing that's going to cause you to do those two things. The Word of God is the only thing that will cause you to remove things out of your life that should not be there. The Word of God is the only thing that will cause you to repair things in your life that should be there. You can't do it by willpower. You can't do it by, I'm turning over a new leaf, and I, I know I shouldn't do that. You know, bad me. Uh, I'm going to do what I should. Uh, no, you will read the Bible, and God will convict your heart, and he'll squeeze your heart, and he'll uh, cut your heart, and he'll twist your heart and say, you really need to do that. You really should be doing that. 
It's the word of God. And too many Christians, we've, we've humanized everything. And we think that, oh, I can do it. And I can change anytime I want. And I can, oh, if you can change, then why don't you just stop what you're doing that you shouldn't be doing? You can't. If you can change, why don't you make important in your life what you should? You can't, apart from the word of God. And notice here, Josiah, because he personalized these beliefs, you know what? Uh, he had longevity in his life. I'm so tired. I'm 37 years old. And you know what? I'm tired of seeing Christians just disappear. I'm tired of people investing in people. I'm tired of people pouring out their heart into people. I'm tired of people making sacrifice and, and service for people just for people to hit the road. I understand it's, it's a fact of life. But far too often, I think it happens more than it should. And part of it is because there are beliefs that are not being passed down. But secondly, there are beliefs that have not been personalized. That leads me to my third point, and I'll be done. How did Josiah live a long life, or how did Josiah not live a long life, but he had longevity in his life? And what causes Christians to have no longevity in your life? Number three, there are beliefs that have not been made permanent. There are beliefs that have not been made permanent. Now notice in verse two again, the Bible says, he declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. He declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. You know, Josiah had longevity in his life in spite of not having a long life because he made permanent the beliefs that had been passed and that he had lived. Now, I want to illustrate it like this, and I'll be done. For you ladies, I know this might not be a, a modern thing, but permed hair. Is permed hair permanent? No. It might last longer than a, a can of hairspray, but permed hair is not permanent. Here's what happens. Event, they, they go to the salon. And I, I, I'm assuming I've never done it myself. Uh, you can tell I don't have any hair to get a perm. And, uh, but, you know, you go and you sit in a chair and they pop that little bubble on your head. I'm assuming that's what it is. And uh, that is, am I wrong to clear a little bubble and that sets the hair? Uh, whatever. Uh, you can tell I don't do it. And, uh, but when you go get a perm, they style it just the way you want it. And they set it. And you know what? It stays like that for a while. But here's what happens. Over time... It starts to lose its shape. And the moment you notice it losing shape, at least back in the day, you would go back and get a perm again. And you reset it to get it back to where you wanted it. It's no different, guys, than when you're out doing construction work and you're cutting drywall or cutting uh, plywood. You get a plumb line, you know. And if you try to take a knife and I'm going to cut this drywall, oh, I, I'm a, I can eye things good. I know a straight line. When I see it, I don't need a plumb line. You, you try that. And you'll get off a little bit. But you get that plumb line, and what do you do? Whack. You, you, you get the line, and you start cutting. And it guides you. And the moment you see you get off, oh, i got to get back on track. You see, here's what I'm saying here today. Just because you have beliefs that have been passed down, that doesn't mean you'll never get away from God. That doesn't mean that you're going to have longevity in life. Just because you personalize those beliefs in your life, and you say, these are, I believe these not because someone gave them to me, but I believe them because God says it. Okay, there's been great Christians who have gotten away from God and even turned their back on God that did that. Here's what you have to do. You have to make them permanent. And what I mean that is, you know, the moment you start noticing you're getting off a little bit, I better get back on track. The moment you notice that, hey, I I've decided to live like this, but you know, we're all human. 
And we get off track sometimes. And so when we start getting off track, we, we're in God's word like we should. And God says, hey, this is a straight and narrow, and you're over here, buddy. And, or you're over here, ma'am, and you're over living like this. And this is the straight and narrow. You make that permanent. You say, i got to get back on track. And you make it permanent again. You see, I'm not saying you, you, you have to reestablish your beliefs all the time. I'm not saying that at all. You don't second guess. You don't, you don't take what's been given you and say, well, let me reestablish. Let me rethink about this and remake it. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if, it's gonna be, uh, if you're going to have longevity in life, there are beliefs that you have to make permanent in your life. Like permed hair, it, it starts to sag a little bit and you've got to reset it. I uh, like that line. You start getting off on the line. And you say, hey, I'm getting off. I better get back on track. So often we wait until we're way over here. Or we wait, figuratively speaking, till that hair's straight. It's not curly no more. It's, it's straight. It looks like a wet dog. And, uh, and then we have an overhaul to do. And, you know, the truth is God's word will keep you straight. This is the only thing you and I have to keep us straight. Uh, because we are not wise enough. We're not, uh, have enough, we don't have enough discernment to say, you know what, I'm getting off track. No, no, no. God's word does that. And if we get away from God's word, we're going to be way off track. You see, he didn't live a long life, but he did have longevity in his life. You see, um, a lot of Christians... And I, I, believe they're, I believe they're sincere. They get saved, and they want to do something for God. And they, and they, they take the truths that, that they hear preached and stuff, and they, they try their best to live them. But, you know, you've got to personalize it. If you're a new Christian here tonight, and uh, you've just been saved, or maybe teenagers, you know, a lot of you do what you do, college students, you name it, young adults. A lot of y'all do what you do because that's what mom and dad always did. But you know what? There, there has to come a point in your life where you say, I'm thankful for that, and I'm not discounting that, but it's what I believe. This is me. This is who I am. My mom and dad had to decide that. Now I have to decide that. And you know what? you got to make it permanent in your life. That means I'm going to live this way for the rest of my life. I'm not going to change because the crowd I'm around changes. I'm not going to change because my bestie changed. I'm not going to change it because my family changed. And if, even if I find myself getting off track, I've got to get back on track. You make it permanent in your life. And if you'll do that, that's all Josiah did. That's all Josiah did. And you know what? He had longevity in his life. A lot of people look at Josiah and say, oh, poor guy. <laughs> poor guy, Brother Montgomery. I mean, he had such potential. And he only lived for 30. Can you imagine if he lived for 80 years and was a king for 80 years? Can you imagine that? Well, hey, I'd say he probably accomplished more in his life than a lot of Christians did. And a lot of Christians do. Why? Because he had longevity in his life. It's not just guaranteed just because you're in the right kind of church. It's not guaranteed just because you have the right kind of Bible in your hand. It's not guaranteed just because you have a pastor that is faithful to preach the word of God and to stay on top of your case, it is not guaranteed. You know what? You have got to decide. I want longevity more than I want a long life. I want to be faithful to God more than I value my own life. I want to be faithful to God to the end. He didn't live a long life, but he did have longevity in his life. Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the opportunity.